show us examples that it is possible for you to go out of the presence of God. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. We will look today and focus on 1 Samuel where the, the children of Israel had left the presence of God. We must seek God to find him. God is not where everybody can see him. Not everyone sees him. If everyone saw him, our world would not be in the shape that it is in today. But it is only those who seek him that find him. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. It's a progression. He said, ask and you will receive. Seek me and you'll find me. Knock and the door will, of opportunity will be open. We see that David in Psalms 27, David would seek for the Lord. Job 23, we see that Job went looking for God. He said, I looked behind me and I didn't see him. I looked ahead of me and he wasn't anywhere to be found. He said, I looked to my left and he was at work, but I perceived him not. He said, I looked to my right and he wasn't there. But we talked about the fact that God is an ambidextrous God. That God can work equally well with both hands. And even though that you may be in the left hand of God, right hand represents power and authority. And whenever you're in the right hand of God, everybody knows you're blessed. That that's when you get the promotion. That's when you get the raise. That's when everything's going well and the house is going well and the family is going well and everybody's looking at you saying, oh, how blessed you are. But I want to tell you that sometimes God will put you in his left hand and people don't call you blessed. They say, oh my, <laughs> what have you done, Job? <laughs> what sin have you committed? But the reality is, as long as you're in the hand of God, Huh? As long as you're in the hand of God and not in the hand of man, people may not call you blessed. They, you may not get the promotion. You may not get the raise. Things may be chaotic at your house, but God's still at work in your life. And he is working all things for your good and his glory. Amen. And he will work it out. Some Look at your neighbor and tell him he will work it out. The Song of Solomon is an interesting book. You read it and, you know, I don't know uh, if they are even on TV anymore, but they used to have soap operas on and all of this drama and all of those kind of things. But, man, if you ever read this book, there's some stuff up in here. Amen. And the Song of Solomon is one of those books. It talks about the love story. It talks about, it's a story of worship and how the Shulamite girl in, in chapter 3 there of Solomon, how that she was laying in her bed thinking of, of her lover and she looked and seen that he was absent, he was gone. And, and so she leaves the place of comfort to seek her lover. She leaves the place where that she snuggled in for the night, the place of comfort, the place of safety. And she says, I'm going to go to the city street. I'm going to go to the marketplace. Whatever I have to do, I will not rest until I find my lover. 
And so she gets up from that place of safety, that place of comfort, and she goes to the streets at night. And the Bible said that she went by the guards that that spoke to me about places that have been bound up, places that have been secured, locked down. You can't get through. But the Bible said when she passed just by them, through them, that there she found her lover. Sometimes we have to press through the darkness. Sometimes we've got to get out of our place of comfort. Sometimes we've got to leave the safe place, if you will. And we've got to be willing to walk the threatening, dark, lonely streets of the night. Amen. Break through that that gate. Break through that thing that has been limiting us. And just on the other side of that, we will find the lover of our soul. Hallelujah. It is a wonderful story. It's more than just a love story, but it is uh, to exemplify to us our relationship with our Father God. Amen. God does not hide himself in such a way not to be found. He hides himself as a father playing hide and seek with his little children. He hides himself in such a way that he has to be sought to be found, but doesn't hide himself so that he cannot be found. And so when that little child, you know, when we play and hide and seek with our children, we don't hide in, uh, you know, places that we don't think they'll ever come. We, we hide with our foot sticking out. We hide with, so they can see the top of our head. We hide so that they cannot see us all, but they can see a part. And in their seeking, they find us. And that's what God does. He doesn't hide himself so that you cannot find him. He just says, I, I'm, I'm only available to those who seek me. And if you're willing to seek me, you will find me. Glory to God. And so we no longer seek for God. We no longer seek for his presence because God holds no value in our life. We said... Wednesday night and then we'll get begin here this morning we said Wednesday night we come to the conclusion that the reason why people no longer seek after God people no longer make sacrifices to find God is because God holds very little value in our life and if God is only a fire escape if God is only a deaf God are you with me That's what religion is made in. It's made Christianity about death. That when you die, if you have Christ, you won't go to hell. But I submit to you, that's only a secondary consequence of my relationship with him. Amen. Whenever I'm saved, nobody can make me go to hell. Amen. I am going to heaven. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But you see, the reality of it is, it isn't just about a death escape from hell, but it is about a relationship here and now. And so I have to understand that I need him every day of my life. That God's presence is valuable to me. Not just in dying, but in living. In making decisions, in making choices. In dealing with relationships, whatever it is, I need the presence of God and his presence is valuable. That's the reason why the woman that lost the coin swept the house, lit a candle, swept the house until she found the one coin. is because the coin was valuable to her. 
That's the reason why the shepherd left the 90 and 9, went looking for the one sheep that was lost. Because that one sheep was valuable to him. We've been so long without the presence of God until we have forgotten how valuable his presence is. But I submit to you that his presence is more valuable than we have been willing to understand or relate to. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, sickness dies. Do you know sickness cannot live in the presence of God? Huh? Poverty cannot live in the presence of God. Oppression and depression cannot live in the presence of God. In the presence of God, there is fullness, meaning nothing broken and nothing missing. Everything that you need is in his presence. And when we get into his presence, praise God, we can receive everything we need from him. That's the reason why we need his presence. We need him every day, not just in dying, but in living. We need his presence because in his presence, we'll make right decisions. In his presence, we'll make right choices. In his presence, amen, we'll make go in the right direction and we'll answer the way we should answer. We'll respond in a way we should respond. In his presence, we'll have the right attitude. Amen. I've never seen anybody except demon-possessed people that go into a cussing fit during worship. I don't see anybody acting ugly when real worship is going on because the atmosphere, the presence of God comes and in that presence, how many remember, I, I, I'm getting to my notes in a minute, but how many remember Saul going in the presence of the prophets? And begin to prophesy like the prophets. Why? Because the presence was conducive to it. And when we get the presence of God in our home, when we get the presence of God in our life, amen, the anointing and his presence will transform us. We'll begin to think right. We'll begin to talk right. We'll begin to act right. We'll begin to live right. Say, Pastor... That's old school. Well, I'm going to go old school on you then. I'm going to go old school so we can get to the new school. <laughs> Amen. Because the reality is I need him every hour. I need him. In 1978 in Haiti, there was a famine. One eyewitness said that they took food there to feed these Haitians that were starving to death and said the children were emaciated they and too weak to eat. He said, what perplexed me was that even though we brought food to the children that were starving, they had no desire to eat. Though they were at the point of death, they were not willing or had a desire to eat the nutrition that would save their lives. Until people know they need food, they'll not eat. And it is the same way in our spiritual walk with God. 
We can have an atmosphere such as we have today in the presence of God. We can have the worship. We can have the word. But if there is no appetite, we can only come to a place of preparing the things of God. But now we have to do something with what we receive. And so it is that that like that of the Haitians that would be brought to a place of having food, but yet the desire was not there to eat. But the Bible tells us that those that hunger and thirst shall be filled. There must be a hunger inside of us. There must be something inside of us that causes us to believe that there is more to God than what we understand or comprehend right now. There has to be something that says there's more to God than this. Amen. When we look, we see the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol. It was a symbolic place where that the Lord dwelt among his people. And when the people sought the Ark, they were seeking the God of the Ark. They were seeking the dwelling place to them of God. And we look in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 21 and it said, Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. Because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. This is the story probably most people know. This is the end result of the story when the ark had been taken away by the Philistines. And now we see an Israel that is broken without the presence of God. We see that Hophni and Phinehas that were put into position were rebellious and backslidden and even doing all kinds of sinful things right on the steps of the house of God. And there was such a rebellious spirit running rampant in Israel and such a sinful nature that they had not experienced the presence of God any longer. But now we see that Saul's daughter-in-law had experienced the presence of God, knew what it was for God to dwell, knew the success of Israel when God's hand was upon their life. And she was in mourning and grieving at the death of her husband and said, look, the glory is gone. Ichabod is on the door and she goes as far as to name her son Ichabod which was meaning the glory of God has departed it was an announcement every time that he had a birthday that it's been a year since the glory's departed it's been two years three five ten fifteen years that the glory has departed Ichabod reminded a generation That we once have the presence of God, but no longer is God dwelling with us. You see, I believe that it was because of what she came out of that she said the glory has departed. She realized that we have the glory, we have the presence of God, but now we're just relying on mechanics. We're relying on what we know. We're relying upon what we can do. But the glory had departed. The glory is the tangible presence of God. In our seeking God, for seeking for God's presence in our life, you must confess Ichabod. You must confess, I have lost the presence of God in my life. 
If you do not confess that you have lost his presence, then you will never feel a desire to seek for his presence. But it is in the confession that I have lost his presence. I have, I do not experience his presence in my life that will cause you to come back to a place of seeking after him. Losing the presence of God does not mean that you're not saved. You can be secure in your salvation, but in your day-by-day walk with God, not desire to have his presence in your life. Amen. And so it is in not that which is not sought after. You're not seeking his presence. You see, the church has become a, a consumer-based thing. Instead of a participant thing we come to consume what can you give me what can I get from God what can I get from the church what are you going to do for me but I want you to know that the church is here to bless and and God is here to bless but the fact of the matter is is we've got to participate with what God is doing and we're not here just to take but we're here to give And it is in our giving of worship, it is in our giving of praise and thanksgiving that creates an atmosphere in which God can move and it is his good pleasure to give gifts to his children. And so whenever we bless him and we praise him and we have his presence in our life daily, then it is in that daily walk with him that we don't come to church to find God, but we bring God with us. We bring his presence with us. And corporately we enter into this house and we seek his face for the corporate blessing to rest upon us. Because you see, it's one thing for your house to have the presence of God, but it's another thing when the whole church, amen, the body of Christ comes together and we have the presence of God. Because you see, the presence of God individually in your life can destroy some things. But there are some things that cannot be destroyed by an individual individual anointing but when we come together corporately there's not nothing the gates of hell cannot prevail against a church that is a worshiping church a church that is seeking the face of God kingdoms will come and with the will of God will be done and the yokes will be destroyed burdens will be removed the anointing will flow amen addictions will be broken off of people's lives attitudes will be adjusted the spirit of God healing will come when we come together corporately and seek his presence in our lives how do you know when you lost the presence of God here's just something you can put on Twitter. How do you know when you lost the presence of God? When the thing you used to whip starts whipping you. When the thing you used to conquer starts conquering you. You've lost the presence of God in your daily life. When things that you used to rebuke start rebuking, you can't rebuke anymore. When the things that you used to get victory over, you can't get victory over it anymore. The Philistines had defeated Israel and carried off the ark as their prize. And when Hophni and Phinehas was in 
leadership or an authority acting as a priest, but not acting as priest. Phineas' wife gave birth to her child and she names it Ichabod, the glory has departed. In chapter 7, it tells us that the men fetched up the ark of the Lord, amen, and brought it back. The people were called together. Throughout history, God has always had a place of meetings with his people. Samuel wanted the Lord to experience, or wanted the people to experience revival. So he commanded them to gather at Mizpah. Mizpah is a place where the God in days past hadn't met with Israel. It is a place that they would get direction in days past. The very uh, name Mizpah means a place of a watchtower. It means it is where the military would gather together and get directives for their fight, for their future. The primary word, root word here of Mizpah means to lean forward or to lean into, to peer into the distance as to spy. And so what he is saying spiritually, he is saying, I want you to lean into your future. I want you to peer into, I want you to spy into the future so that you know what is going on. You peer into the distance so that what is coming does not overtake you. So you have an understanding of what is going on in your future so that when you get there, you'll be prepared for it. Amen. So he leads them to Mizpah to peer into the future, to lean forward. And when you have lost the presence of God in your life, everyday life, how do you get it back? How do you, once you've lost it, once you don't know the future, once you don't know the direction you're going, how do you get the presence of God back? You go back to where you met God before. You go back to the place that you left him. You go back to the place where he spoke into your life. Amen. And when you get there, you repent for not keeping God first in your life. How many know it's easy not to keep God first in our lives? This culture does not give it, lend itself to keeping God first in our lives. Everything don't when used to be and excuse me for reminiscing, but used to be that the church was honored and respected to a place that the activities and the things of the community and the things of the world did not take place on Sunday. Because folk went to church and they honored and respect, even if you didn't go, you respected Sunday as a time that people went and worshiped their God. But the church has been removed from society. We have withdrawn from our communities until now we do not impact our communities. And so therefore our communities walk to the beat of a different drum and care less about the church. Amen. And so we have to begin not to extract ourselves from the community, but we must reach out to the community and we must impact our community. And the only way that we're able to do that is for God to be first in our lives. 
first priority. It's easy to get caught up in the hustle and the bustle. It's easy to begin to make things important that really aren't important. It's easy to put things before God. And the Bible said at Mishpah, they repented for making other gods before God. And they put away their idols. Amen. They put away all of the the, uh, things that they used to worship and they began to return back to God. There they began to repent for not putting him first. And when they did that, there was a change that took place in Israel. Amen. And second of all, not only was there a place of repentance, but they reestablished worship in their life. They worshiped Jehovah God. God inhabits worship. And whenever you're, you are, uh, uh, it seems that you have lost his presence, you, you are gone from that day-to-day uh, uh, response and, and effect of God being a part of who you are and what you're doing, amen, day-to-day, not just on Sunday, but every day of your life. When it is gone, you've got to repent, see, turn, and seek his face, and then you've got to return back to a place of worship and begin to reestablish worship in your life. Why? Because God said, I inhabit praise. We will not find the presence of God unless we're willing to return to the word of God. Amen. And as much as I love worship, hear me today, I'm about to tell you a thing. As much as I love worship, as much as it is a part of my life and who I am, the church has come swung to the other side of the pendulum until no longer do they honor the word of God in their lives. We've got to have the word of God. You've got to have an appetite and a studied diet of the word of God every day in your life. Amen. And it is his word worshiping him that creates an atmosphere that God will dwell with you every single day of your life. Hallelujah. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfect. It doesn't mean everything is going to be hunky dory. But what it does mean is this, that God will be with you. He will be an ever present help in the time of your trouble. And so we take that, we repent and we get back to the word of God, get back to the base of his word. Amen. Because we're living in a society that is an illiterate Bible group of generation that is raising up. They don't know Moses from the Bible from Moses Malone. They don't know a difference between, amen, the God of heaven and some other God of uh, Islam or other things. Why? Because they don't know the word of God. And we've got to get back to a place where we know the word. David said, I'll hide your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. We've got to have the word and our worship and we will create an atmosphere that will be magnetic to the presence of God and draw him into our lives. God is divine and his divine presence when when his word is preached and obeyed, signs and wonders follow his word. Returning the presence of God requires worship. David made the prescribed sacrifice that every six paces 
People would shout. The music would play. The trumpets would go off. And David would dance before the Lord with all of his might. When the ark was coming in up the road, Michelle wasn't out with the people worshiping. She was sitting in the palace observing. You are either, you can either be an observer or you can be a participator in worship. It just depends on which side of the window you're sitting on. Michelle's problem was she chose the wrong side of the window. She chose the side to participate or to observe instead of participate. Which side of the window are you sitting on today? Are you judging or are you jumping? Are you shouting or are you pouting? Are you praising or are you hazing? Which side of the window are you sitting on today? Michelle called David over and said, David has had ripped off his king's robe. Amen. He was willing to concede his kingship of, to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He would rip off his royal robe and he would dance and he would spin around and he would, he would praise God and nothing short of his priestly robe or his priesthood would he have this priest ephod on. And it was all that he had on and he ripped off everything of accolades. He ripped off everything that suggested that I am somebody. And that day he danced before the Lord with all of his might. And he said, I, I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed because I need God more than I need your approval, Michelle. I need God more than I need the things of men. Amen. And she was embarrassed. She was ashamed of her husband. And here he was dancing before the Lord in the streets with the common folks. She despised David in her heart and she told him that it looked like a fool. How long has it been since you worshiped God till somebody looked at you and said, you are a fool. I dare say there isn't much danger in it. Amen. Because we are so consumed with the opinions of people and the expectations of men until we no longer will praise God for his worthiness. We will no longer worship him. Amen. Like the songwriter said, dance like nobody's watching. Just worship him by like you're by yourself. Amen. Why? Because we are worried about what people are going to think about us. Let me ask you, can that person set me beside you? Can they save you? Can that person set in on your other side when you're sick? Can they heal you? Amen. Can they bring you joy? I want to tell you in the midst of your sorrow, I declare to you that it is only God that is able to save. It is only God that is able to heal. It is only God that is able to turn your circumstance around. So why are you worried about someone sitting beside of you? Amen. We need to learn that it is he and he alone that is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise and we're going to bless him and praise his heart. Holy name. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody bless him today. Amen. 
Look at David's response. He said, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father. (laughs) And all of his house to be appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this. And will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants whom you have have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. If he went, if we want God's presence to come into our lives, we have to be willing to be worshipers. We must be ready to praise and celebrate the Lord every day of our lives. David said, listen, Michelle, honey, I wish you weren't upset because ain't nobody wants an upset wife. That was a place for men to say amen. Said, I wish you weren't upset, but you've got, you're confused. That worship wasn't about you. That worship was to my Lord. In other words, I have a responsibility to praise God. When you need to, you need to claim this today. It is our responsibility. It is our divine duty to praise and to celebrate before the Lord. Amen. It is our responsibility to God. Whenever you enter into the military, you enlist. And when you recognize to show respect, when a a commanding sergeant or officer comes into the room, the first one that recognizes them cries out attention. And they know that somebody higher than them has just entered the room. And everybody stops what they're doing. They salute the commanding officer until he says at ease, meaning return to what you were doing. I want to tell you that it is our responsibility as people in the kingdom of God that when we have a sense of his presence, a hint of him coming into this place, that we begin to stop what we're doing and say he is here. His presence is here. His anointing is here. Amen. And we give honor. We give respect to him. But the good thing about God is, is he don't say go back to what you were doing he always changes what's going on in your life if you'll praise him if you'll give him glory amen he will turn your situation around amen it's not only our responsibility to God but it's our responsibility to others David said I will make my boast in the Lord all day long And the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. David told Michelle, the maidservants that you despise will be encouraged by my praise. Do you know that when you praise God and worship God, somebody that's been oppressed, somebody that's been discouraged, Somebody the enemy has held down and hostage and lied to them, told them life isn't going to ever get any better. But whenever you begin to praise God and worship God, it brings hope into their dark situation that says if God did it for them, I said if God did it for them, 
then surely he can do something for me. Amen. These maid servants had been oppressed. They were put into a slave-like situation. Michelle, in her high lofty place in the kingdom, looked down upon them. But David said, I've got a responsibility to worship. I've got a responsibility to praise because when I do, those people that you put down all of your life, those people that have been depressed and depressed and suicidal, they're going to see a glimpse of glory. They're going to feel the presence of God. I'm thankful today that whenever the enemy comes, he can't keep us all down at the same time. I may be going through hell this week, but my brother's been in heavenly places and you bring a sacrifice of praise and worship into this house. It isn't just about me, but I can get in on the overflow. I can you because there is an atmosphere that has been created. The enemy may be against me, but your praise will take me into the presence of God and the yoke will be destroyed and the burden will be removed and I can go into heavenly places for myself. Oh, I wish somebody would praise him up in here today. Hallelujah. We owe it to those around us to praise the Lord. There are those watching your life that don't think they have a reason to keep on keeping on. They don't know why they should go on with life. But if you can praise the Lord, even in the midst of your storm, amen, don't lose your head when you're going through a storm. That's going to be a message one day. Don't lose your head. Don't lose everything that's been poured into you. Don't lose the word of God, the scriptures and the promises of God over your life because of circumstances that are going on in your life. Hold on to those promises. Hold on to that word. Amen. Because when they see your testimony and you praising God even in your situation, it brings strength to them to hope in God. Your praise may very well be their reason for giving God a chance instead of ending their life. We've got a responsibility to others to bless the Lord. Amen. David told Michelle, God chose me instead of your father's house. In other words, who are you to tell me I can't praise God? <laughs> who, who are you to tell me that I need to be more sophisticated in my worship? Honey, I'm the king and you not. Your daddy ain't the king, your brother ain't the king. God has appointed me as the king. Amen. And he said, I want you to understand that I will praise the Lord in the streets whenever I feel like it. We don't have to ask the world's permission to praise God. It's our right. In fact, it's our birthright to praise the Lord. Amen. They may sign petitions, but they can't stop me from going into Walmart and walk up and down every aisle just praying in the Holy Ghost. 
They can't stop it. They may stop prayer in the public school, but they can't stop you from praying at your seat. Amen. They may stop it in this market square, but they cannot stop you from worshiping God and praising. Why? Because I tell you, it is our birthright. Jesus paid my sin debt. He took me out of the miry clay, put my feet on a solid rock, and he gave me a right to praise him. He gave me a reason to rejoice. Not only do I not have to ask permission from the world, amen, I, God has given me the permission to dance before him, amen, in all of my strength and all of my might. I can clap my hands because I can. I can run because I want to. I can shout my shout, dance my dance, and rejoice because God has given me victory over my enemies. I don't have to ask self-righteous, sanctimonious snobs permission for me to lift up my voice. I can bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be out of my mouth. It may not be a yell. It may not be a holler. But there will be a praise in my spirit that will come up and destroy the yoke. Why? Because I know. There's power in my praise. I refuse a long time ago. I learned that if I could praise him, the devil can't keep me down. I've learned to worship him in the midnight hour. I've learned to worship him when the spirit of depression would try to keep me in the bed. But I said, I'm going to praise my way out of this place. Praise God. I want to tell you today that when you begin to praise him, it'll destroy the yoke. It'll remove the burden. And you don't have to ask nobody. God has given you the right to lift up your voice and give him praise. The word translated dance literally means to jump and to spin or to whirl around. (laughs) Well, pastor, I think that's just a little over the top. I don't think we have to do all of that. No, you don't have to. You get to. You get to. And if we ever realize what God really has done for us, and we realize the value of his real sovereign presence in our life, not only will we get to, but we'll want to. Pastor Jamie won't have to get up here and pump prime and jerk and jump to get us to a place because we've got the presence of God and we know we've got the presence of God and because we have it, we want to give him everything we've got. It's not just about a responsibility or a duty, but it's about a right and a desire a desire to worship the king of glory. Have you ever watched whenever famous people die or even famous people come somewhere and people that don't even know them will drive for miles, they'll show up, fight through the crowd just to get a glimpse of them. Let me tell you, they don't even give a rip if you're there or not. But yet we go through all of this stuff to reach out to somebody that we don't even know. 
will go to great extremes to reach out to somebody that don't even care if you're there or not. But then we won't even give effort to worship the God of whom our salvation is in. But I have a reason to praise him today. David went on to tell Michelle, he chose me, he appointed me ruler over the people of the Lord. David had a reason to praise him. First, the ark was returning to Israel. The glory, the presence of God had come back to them. That's a reason to praise God. I said, that's a reason to praise God. You see, these people that think there is no God, it's because they've never experienced his presence. You can't, you can debate, you can discuss, you can talk to people all day long and they can debate and they can discuss and tell you that the Bible isn't true. The word of God is irrelevant to the day. They can tell you there is no God, but I want to tell you if somebody comes into the presence of God, it is one thing they cannot deny. You may not like what I'm preaching. You may not agree with my theology, but I'm telling you that when the presence of a sovereign and a holy God shows up in the midst, amen, you may be able to debate my theology, but you cannot debate the presence of God. And when you have experienced him for yourself, there is nothing that can take the place of God's presence. And David acknowledged that I need God in my life and his glory has returned, his presence. I remember what it was like when I couldn't make a wrong decision. I remember what it was like that everything I put my hands to, it prospered. I remember what it was like when Israel didn't lose a battle. They went into war with God and God brought us out victorious every time. But I know what it's like now as I sit here these days, weeks, months, and I realize that the presence of God is not with us. My mind isn't functioning correctly. Everything I do ends up backwards. Nothing is taking place. The things I used to conquer are now conquering me. And David said, oh, but now we've done it right. We've gone and got the presence of God back. His glory is returned to the house of Israel. Things are about to turn around. Israel's about to start winning victories again. Israel's about to experience the favor of God upon their life. Israel's going to know what it is to have a healer in the house. Praise God. And I want to tell you he said I'm going to praise him I'm going to bless him because I remember what it was like when he was here and I know what it's like for him to be gone and so I'm just going to praise him because his presence is back with us again my concern is this modern day church has come so far That we don't remember what it was like when his sovereign presence would show up. When it wasn't about articulated speech. When it wasn't about having everything right. We're going to run this church with a spirit of excellence because God deserves it. And we're going to give him our very best because God deserves it. But it isn't about the instruments being perfect. It's not about the singers all being on key. It's not about having the right song. We're going to do everything we can for that to happen. It's not about how articulate or how I'm able to have demonstrative words and speak over you. It's about his presence. 
that will change a person's life. Amen. We do all of those things so that we can create an atmosphere that the Holy God will come and inhabit this place. But I want to tell you, it's not about me. It's not about a singer. It's not about you. It's about the King of glory. It's about his presence that will come into this place. And when he comes into this place, we experience his glory. We experience his power. And we don't leave here and shake it off like we've had a good drunk from the world. But we take his presence with us and our life is changed. And on Monday morning, we get up and say, good morning, Holy Ghost. We get up on Tuesday morning and say, this is a day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. We get up on Friday and say, I'm going to celebrate the goodness of God. Because in him I live and I move and I have my being. And because of him, that's a reason to get up this morning. And we bless him every day day that we live because we've got to have his presence David acknowledged that he had been a recipient of God's grace in his life and that other another good reason to praise God is because you received in your life his grace David wasn't just worshiping because the word said for him to worship. David wasn't worshiping just because he wanted to worship. It was his delight to worship God. If you've been a benefactor of God's grace in your life, then it ought to be a delight for you to worship him. John Newton said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I've got a reason to praise him. I once was blind, but now I see. I've got a reason to praise him. I once was defeated, but now I'm victorious. I've got a right to praise him. I once was on my way to hell, but now I'm on my way to heaven. I've got a right to praise him. I've got a reason to praise him. I've got a reason to celebrate. I've got a reason to shout the voice of triumph because God has brought me out. I've got a reason. Oh, what a reason it is because I have his presence in my life. He is leading me. He is guiding me. He woke me up this morning. He put breath in my lungs. He put a beat in my heart. He put a song on my lips. Amen. I've got a reason to praise him. The steadfast love of the Lord never changes. It's never, it's new every morning. Amen. I've got a reason to praise him. Praise God. Why? Because his presence has come into my life. And it's not about an experience. It's about a relationship. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. You, 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 you don't have to deal. You don't know what I deal with. You don't understand. And I don't expect you to. You don't know the hell I went through in October, November, and December. A few of my family 
couple of close friends. Renee does. Renee knows all of it. She, she knows it all, but very few. She's the only one knows it all. But you don't know the hell. But you say, well, well, no, I, I decided. I made a choice. I ain't going to praise God based on where I am. I'm going to praise God based on who he is. And so therefore, if I've got to come by night and stand in the house of God, he's bigger than what I'm going through. He's bigger than the hell I'm facing. He's bigger than the circumstances that are surrounding me and trying to overwhelm me. (laughs) He's bigger than that. If he wasn't bigger than that, then I'd worship what has got me oppressed. But I chose that God is bigger than that. So I praise him. You see, we all have circumstances. We all have problems. We all have difficulties. But I've got a reason to praise him today. I've got a reason to celebrate his goodness and his grace. I've got a reason to dance before him. You need to elevate your praise. Praise him not because the word says, not because you have a responsibility, but praise him because you delight. Because you want to. I sing because I've got a reason. I sing because above these circumstances, above the trouble, there is a place called the heavenlies. And when my worship leaves my mouth, leaves my body, and goes into the heavenlies, it creates a sweet atmosphere it creates aroma that goes up before God and whenever it touches his nostrils he says somebody is worshiping me somebody is praising me we got it all wrong I'm about done we got it all wrong we think Our praise and worship is a sign that he has showed up. But our praise and worship is an invitation for him to come. And my worship invites God into my circumstance, into my difficulty, into my problems. And I need his presence. I want his presence more than I want your approval. I want his presence more than I want wealth and fame. I want his presence because I'm dealing with things that only his presence can give me wisdom and direction to work through. I need his presence. Once you've tasted of him and you know he's good, nothing else in this world will ever satisfy That's the reason David said, Michelle, sorry, but this ain't about you. I need the presence of God. If I'm going to lead this nation, if I'm going to lead Israel, I can't just have him on 
feast. I can't just have him on tabernacle. I can't just have him on certain days. If I'm going to be the king of Israel, I need God's presence every day. I submit to you today that you need him every day. You need him every day. Stand with me, please. Somebody here this morning that know know Christ as your personal Savior. You haven't accepted him into your life to be your Lord, to be your King, to be your Redeemer. I want to invite you today to make him a Lord of